This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Blues Focus podcast. Casting every Monday on Spotify, Apple Music, and on YouTube. I'm Kieran. I'll be the host for today's episode. And joining me, I've got Gabriel and Dan. So, lads, we'll get straight into it with reaction to yesterday's result against Hull. Dan, what did you think? Uh, I was baffled at the first half. To be honest, it, it's probably I know it could make a difference with no crowd there, but I was I was actually disgusted at the performance. It was like. They're, they are terrible, Paul. And we just made them look good. But uh, second half, we shown we shown more character and shown bits what we could do. But then I was left really frustrated again. Uh, we just let another simple goal go in. And but at least we at least we fought back. But we shouldn't ever be in that position where we need to fight back against them. We should just get the points. I know it's not always that simple, but we never make it that simple against those teams. That's why it's so frustrating. But we got back into it. We kept we've kept the same distance away from the relegation zone, or we might have lost a point on them or something like that. So, but as long as we win Wednesday, I'll forget about it. But I wasn't happy. Yeah, I mean, no, I think it's, I think the the important thing to remember though is that. Um, Actually, it seems as though the teams that have been battling relegation have kind of almost, I wouldn't be surprised if they've taken more points than the teams that are going for the playoff place because we can have taken more points than anyone um, apart from Derby in 2020. Uh, Barnsley have been in pretty good form. Luton, you'd probably say as well. Um, and even so, a side like Huddersfield that have been getting solid results, they're now in the relegation zone. So I do think that a lot of the teams near the bottom are wrapping their game and I think probably a little bit better now they've got a couple of their best centre-backs which they didn't have half of the season so I would have some sympathy from that point of view but of course in terms of the goals conceded there's, um, we were sloppy in possession at the time so there is a capability from that point of view Yeah I think you touch on that other teams in and around them for example Middlesbrough got an absolute hiding by Swansea then went and, and turned over Stoke at their own place I know obviously you've not got the fans there at the minute and 
a lot of Stoke's home form is based on. You know, they, they always get the crowd up and up and running and they're always a raucous group. But yeah, you get the war knock knock on effect as well from that. And all of a sudden we're left looking over our shoulders a little bit. Um especially with like South Middlesbrough picking up points, Hull. I know we've kept the gap between them now, but um Huddersfield, I think they kick off have they kicked off against Forest now today. Actually, so, I think they just have, yeah. So, you know, yeah, I think we're left looking over our shoulders a little bit again, which which isn't nice, but we're used to it at this point of the season. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean, I can't imagine us going down um, at this point. I think we've 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 been on a very long, uh, I think something like one defeat in fifteen, uh, something like that. So, um, I wouldn't be too worried about relegation, but I think it's maybe a little bit. It looks a bit tighter than we were maybe thinking. A lot of the other teams have picked up. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we we looked pretty safe for the whole season. There was a spell in like January where it was getting a bit too close for comfort, but mm. it would just. That's why at least at least we got the point. I'm not too happy with it, but at least we got the point because it'd be really horrible to be dragged into relegation battle now, because it's harder to pick yourself, drag yourself back away from it, than just get out of it when you're already there. I think at this stage of the season, because you'll start panicking. So we just need to make sure we get enough points just to get away as quick as we can and then we can relax and hopefully enjoy the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, if you look at how the table would have looked had we have lost yesterday, you know, and you put another two points onto Hall's total, knock one off us, and we're, then all of a sudden you, you are looking at the next few fixtures and thinking where are we going to get the points to be able to to drag us away, our only saving grace is that there's so many teams between us and the bottom three at the minute. Are they all going to be able to to pick up enough results to to overturn us? Should we continue our playing that way? Uh, complete contrast to how we was against West Brom last week, where defensively we were solid, whereas yesterday within 15 minutes, 16 minutes, two 0 down, and you're thinking Sunday league football really defensively. Um, I just, I just, I'm lost for. I was lost for words. If it weren't for the fact it is blues, I'd have turned it off in disgust. <laughs> I mean, I think quite a big thing is you've got somebody like uh, Michael Keaton Bell, who's just sort of had quite a long-term in, uh, injury. I mean, he might have made an appearance against Reading just before the lockdown, but he's still kind of coming back in. And uh, we saw against West Brom that he's actually pretty, when, he, when he's not getting much of the ball, he does a pretty solid job of kind of anchoring that midfield and keeping things in check. But I think when you want, when you expect him to use the ball well, uh, he and have a lot of the ball, which is probably more the case against Hull because they've got West Brom, uh, then you're probably going to have more problems. Maybe especially with him not quite being at uh, peak sharpness, if you like. Uh, maybe there are one or two uh, lapses there. And I think we saw that lead up to, uh, I think, Hull's first chance. Yeah, and I think you see the difference in the team when Bella came on at half-time and, and Jude moved to the middle as well. I think it helped having an actual out-and-out wide man on the wing rather than a makeshift in Jude or last week Gardner who who'd done the job admirably but it's not his it's not his forte really. It's not where he's meant to be. Whereas Bella just he's a he's a natural and Hall didn't know how to deal with him. Whereas the central if we have someone who's 
usually in the middle out wide. They're always looking to drift in, and we was kind of vacant on that left left side in the first half, especially with just Pedersen wandering off whenever he really wanted to, <laughs> and leaving us short at the back. Yeah, it was really disappointing just how, like, as you say, against West Brom, we were so solid. And I was very, apart from a few moments, I was really confident that we'd keep them out. But then it was about 15 seconds and they were through on goal. And I'm, I'm sure we had kicker. So like, I was just there watching it and I was like, what's happened? I heard the throw on goal. But yeah, we just weren't at the races for ages yesterday. But I think they must have said something at half-time to actually like, wipe the sides up. But I'm glad they did. Yeah. I mean, just, just like to touch on the point about Ella's impact, because I think in the first half you saw, because of the issues that we've mentioned, um, sometimes Dukovic was actually sort of drifting out wide. And I think when you've got Dukovic and Hogan as a strike pair, although they're different types of strikers, they probably do their best work inside the penalty area. Dukovic is best when he's kind of peeling off onto the back post sitting on one of the weaker centre-backs and all that sort of thing. Hogan, you want him in and around the penalty box. So you don't really want either of them kind of drifting out wide. And I think with um, Bayer coming on, uh, I was surprised actually, he was, kind of came on on the left when I sort of thought of him as a kind of classic right winger, but he did pretty well on the left actually. Um, and putting one lovely left-footed cross for Crowley, even if he's naturally right. So yeah, really impressive second-half contribution from Bayer. Yeah, he was massive for us. He, he changed the game for me. We just had to, we just had to get him on, and maybe I know Pep said he's well been a bit cautious with him, but hopefully we can start getting him back into the starting eleven for the next few games because he's just so important to us since he's joined. Mm. Yeah, and I think you mentioned Djokovic drifting out wide, and, and like you say, best in the in the middle. And your problem is as well is. If you've got Djokovic as the one out on on the wing, and Hogan's the only real goal scorer that's in and around the box, you know our power is getting the ball into the box to to the big target man, who either gets a header on goal or he knocks it down for someone else. He always causes a threat. Centre backs the size of you know nowadays who win everything in the air. Um, they're not going to be phased by having to mark Hogan or. You know, if you've got Jude drifts in there from because they're not going to be bothered by that. Um, we just play into their hands by doing that, really. And I think, yeah, like you say, Bella was just different class when he came on, and he has to start next game now. Has to. But yeah, moving on from that, then that's another thing we've seen over the past week or so: the rumor that Jude is is due to be announced at. Russia Dortmund any time now though so there is obviously contrasting reports that Bayern have joined the chase as well as Chelsea again but 15 million up front and rising to 25 is the rumour this morning what's your take on that Gab what do you think um, well I imagine the club would have hoped because I'd heard talk of uh, around like 40 million pound fee and so I think the club had probably hoped for uh, a bigger fee but maybe the lockdown has kind of scaled down the finances a little bit and uh, clubs aren't willing to take as big of a risk, financial risk on Bellingham and playing the club. Maybe needs money that little bit more based on uh, the issues that we've had um, over the last few years. So uh, I can understand why the club have made the decision to sell him. Um, and really be interesting to see if um, they can um, 
sort of reinvest wisely because I remember when Norwich um, got rid of Marcus Madison in 2018 and then they reinvested really shrewdly with kind of a smart sort of recruitment setup and all suddenly brought in four or five players who are kind of part of that title winning campaign and uh, I don't know if I necessarily have quite as much faith in the Blues recruitment team to make the same, do things the same way but um, yeah just hope that uh, we use that money as wisely as possible. Yeah, I agree. I think the uh, I think the fee obviously wasn't as high as we was all reading throughout the whole time, and it's still a it's still a shame to see Jude go because I think he could be it's it's a shame because he could be such an amazing player for us. But we also have to accept that money. It could change a team if we spend it wisely. It could push us up right to the top of the championship. But as we say, as long as we use it wisely, which is like. Is that going to happen? But um, as we say, I think lockdown lockdown could mean that prices for players aren't as high as they usually would be. Maybe we have to take what we can get sort of thing. And also, maybe Dortmund wouldn't be willing to spend more because maybe they want actual quality now for that sort of price instead of potential. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hard one, but maybe that's just why the transfer window this summer's going. I think it's a good point you make about it being the way the market is post-COVID, so to speak, really. Um, obviously, it's, it should all be in contrast. So, whereas we could have sold him for 40 and bought four players for 10 million, we could sell him to 25 and get four players for six and a half, seven million. So, you know, that it, it's all in line, really. You get the same quality for your money. But... Like you say, it's interesting to read that the rumours were 40-45. Dortmund are never known for spending that sort of money on anyone, really. They're a, you, know, you pick up your freeze and your, your bargains like Sancho and, and move them on for big bucks. I mean, even Erling Haaland was only, what, 20 million, if that, for them. But where would you like him to go? Where do you think he'd, he'd get hit the ground running straight away, really? Well, I think um, it looks like he's going to go to Dortmund and I think that kind of makes sense in many ways because I think Dortmund are more likely to give him an opportunity in the next one or two years, uh, whereas I think at Manchester United looking at an opportunity in the next four or five years uh, after various loan spells and I don't necessarily know if that's what he needs. So in some ways I'm glad that he's... Because I think Manchester United is the glamour option for anyone um, born in England. But uh, I'm glad that he's taken a more a clearer route perhaps to first team football. So uh, please from that point of view, although possibly from United, from a selfish point of view, we might, we might have got more money out of United. Uh, yeah, I think... Dortmund could be the best move and although we could get more money off United I think it could still work in our favour because depending on the salon fee yeah. he's more likely to leave Dortmund than you would be likely to leave Manchester United because that might be his next club Manchester United after Dortmund yeah. so he's, he's quite likely to still come back to England and us get quite a nice chunk of that salon fee so, and also, I think it's great for his development because you just see what they do for players over there in Dortmund. They give young players opportunities. So, I think it'll be interesting to see how he does, but hopefully, we still get a nice amount for him. I'd love to know as well, just on that point, what the percentage sell on fee is going to be because, um, I mean, I think it's possible, perfectly possible, that Bellingham could reach the real pinnacle of the game. 
and uh, probably wouldn't be with Dortmund. It would be with a, a Manchester City or a, a PSG or something along those lines. Uh, so actually, if he's worth a massive amount of money in the next few years, then potentially, uh, depending on what the sell-on uh, value is, then all percentages and so on. Um, that could be a really big uh, aspect for the deal for him. Yeah, you look at Sancho as the prime example at Dortmund, really, isn't he? With with the way they they stole him on the on the cheap from Man City at the time, seven million pounds. I think they had to spend on him, and now they're looking. But even in today's market, hundred and twenty millions the the price I've seen quoted for his uh, for his move in the summer to wherever mm. United is apparently the the ideal destination. But if you take a ten percent, even ten percent of that, twelve billion pounds, and put that onto the twenty five, there there's your thirty five forty million straight away. But like you say, it'd be interesting to see what we've put in there. But yeah, where would you go after that then? So the summer, a big rebuild job's needed. You've got the money from Bellingham. Where do you, where do you invest that? Well, for me, I think uh, obviously we don't know what's going to happen with Jake Baxter, but um, we, we need a left-footed centre-back. Um, I think Mark Roberts I like as the right side of centre back. Probably I'm not quite sure about a Robertson Dean pairing. I don't think they quite fit each other. I think a they're both quite aggressive in nature, and b they're both right. I think so. Need someone left footed to kind of complement uh, Robert, in my opinion. Um, probably a strike partner for Djokovic, whether that's Scott Hogan or not. Um, we could get him for three point five million in the summer. I think that might be his. Um, release clause, but um, someone who can kind of, whether or not they're quick, but someone who can run in behind and, and stretch defences with that kind of positive running, because uh, I don't rate you could as a lone striker, I think you need someone who's going to run beyond it, because otherwise you've not got the option to stretch defences. I think he's good playing back to goal, um, but you need someone stretching defences and getting on the end of his hands and flip-ons and things like that. So, uh, those are the two, two key positions replacing or retaining Mark Tolter and, uh, and Scott Hogan. And then, of course, you're probably looking at another couple of left-sided players. There's um, Jefferson Montero, um, Jack Magoma and uh, Jude Bellingham all going to be gone, so probably as well. Yeah, I think, I think the key is, as, you say, uh, as we've said, uh, Clark, Salter and Hogan, it would be great to keep hold of them. If we can't, then we need to find replacement for both of them. And then there's a few other positions where we, where we need. I think we won't progress as high as we'd like to with Lee Camp in goal. He hasn't done a terrible job for us, but I don't think he's good enough. Mm. You know, because we need a goalkeeper that wins us some points. Like I've seen last few years before this season, Darren Randolph at Middlesbrough and people like that. So, And we also need more wingers because that's just... The depth there is scary at the minute. We haven't we haven't got them. Yeah, yeah. I think I definitely agree on the point about the goalkeeper, the key area. I mean, I'd say Camp has actually done better than expected this season, and I, you know, I like him as a person and all the rest of it. But um, I was surprised that we didn't upgrade that area in last summer. So I certainly think that's going to be a key priority. Yeah, I mean, last summer was an interesting one when we brought in 
um, Ramos on loan from Real Madrid and Camp then, he hasn't even seen, hasn't even had a look in as a potential first choice keeper for us and he said his intention is to go back to Real Madrid so it's a strange one bringing him in and like you said Camp could have been replaced in the summer really um, but with him only extending till the end of this season I think there's definitely going to be someone comes in um, although I do like Truman I think he's he's got bags of potential but is he ready for week in week out championship football is, is another debate but we've got a lot of other youngsters coming through still Bailey um, Seddon on loan at Portsmouth at the minute so I like him yeah and he can be he, he can be the one who who supports Pedersen at left back uh, wingers but Anyone that stands out for you guys that you'd like to see coming in the summer? There's not really, there's not really any names that stick out, stick out in my mind. So me saying that yeah, we need those positions is all well and good, but <laughs> I really can't think of many names at the minute. I mean, obviously in goal, people mention the likes of Joe Hart, and it'd be nice to see him back. But that's sort of it depends what wages he'd be on, and would he come back still? Would he still like to see if he can try it in the Premier League? Because you know, but I just think the wa- the wages could be a problem there. So, but there's other good goalkeepers out there. It'll be, it'll be half the price, half the wage. So it's just about getting the right blend of players who aren't also expensive on wages and fees, and but but also they've got to make sure that they can do the job. Mm. The other thing I'd say is uh, there's a lad called Charlie Kirk at Crew Alexandra and um, he's a really good left-sided uh, player and um, loves to kind of get in at the back post and we'll finish on him and I think he's a real talent and he signed a new two-year contract there so it would require a fee but I certainly think he's got potential in the Champions he's a level. Yeah, is that one of the routes you'd like to see the club go down? You know, there's been good players in the past from the lower leagues. Nick Powell was one of them at the time. Would you like to see the club dip into the lower leagues and take some of the talent from there and nurture them? Uh, I, I think um, if we did go into the lower leagues, it has to be at the right age bracket because I think one of the mistakes Ipswich made um, summer before last was... Um, They've got a lot of players from sort of League One, um, but they weren't quite at the right age. So they're players who had kind of been in the lower leagues for much of their careers. And I wouldn't like us to sign that sort of player. But players who are kind of under the age of 23, been in the lower leagues for a little bit, but have got that potential to rise up the English pyramid. Um, I think we could be a great sort of those sort of players. So, um, and yeah, crew got some fantastic young talent there. And I think we, um, a lot of clubs should be uh, looking that way to uh, the box for Yeah, it'd be it'd be a nice thing to do if we could actually pick the right players out of them divisions because then it'd be cheap and effective. Now, I think a few wouldn't be a bad idea, especially even if they don't turn out to be the best, at least we'll have the depth saving. At least we'll be able to use them as squad players. So a few of them, yeah, that'd be fine, but I do think we might need to to definitely push up the league and progress, maybe. See, there's a lot more free agents going around this summer than there seem to be in the last few years. So it'd be interesting to see if we can look in that market as well, because I do think there's some quite good players that make a big difference for us. 
Yeah. Yeah, the one standout I see on on a free transfer which has been mentioned previously is uh Callum O'Hare, who was at Coventry, who um obviously his easy miss, simple miss ensured that we stayed in the FA Cup at one point. So um it'd be good to bring him in, I think. Um he's got the toys to Coventry, but he was a boyhood blues fan, so he could he he'd love to jump at the opportunity, I'm sure. Yeah, um, but... I think as well he's a re- he's a real talent because um, Dan Crowley he's uh, very much a sort of number ten. But there's maybe some question marks certainly at times in his career about his kind of work rate. Um, maybe not quite so much fair this season, but it's probably not his sort of main strong point. But whereas with someone with a, like a hair season, he's very tenacious as well as having that technical talent, and he's he's probably going to support quite well so if we do operate with a number 10 next season I, I, I really would be seeing O'Hare in the side because I think Villa has made an offering in the conference Yeah um, I'd, I'd be quite happy with that signing as well because although although it's like yeah let's get Villa's rejecting but uh, he's, he, I've seen I've seen him be able to do it in League One he's, he's played well in the games that I've seen Coventry playing I haven't seen a lot of them so I'm not pretending to be an expert but uh he has got something there, and he's young, and he's so he's got time on his hands. And I do think we need to get more players like the Crowley mould to get the best out of Dan Crowley as well. Because I personally think that he's a big asset for us going forward, because he he can do he's good with the ball at his feet. He likes the ball at his feet, so I think we need to complement him with a few more players of that mould. Where, where do you see him, uh, Dan? Do you see him as a number 10? Do you like him kind of coming off of the right? I mean, I don't think he, he had a spell where he sort of, because of Bayer's form, he kind of shifted on to the left. And I don't feel like that particularly suits him. I, I think I think in the formation we've been playing this season, he's done he's done fairly well on the right side, I think, especially when Colin was in better form. I don't think Colin's mm. been as good attacking recently, but... Uh, Maybe that's what he's been asked to do. Maybe he's been asked to be more cautious. But him and Colin were definitely a good combination at the start of the season. But yeah. for me, I do think he's a number 10. But then that sort of means that we might have to to fit him in as a number 10. It might mean we have to have a lone striker. So that might mean we have to then change Djokovic instead. Well, one so, thing I was wondering about was like a 3 4 uh, one two system, so like with kind of Bayer and Seddon as wing backs, and then Colin as the number ten, and then Dukovic and Hogan or another striker. I mean, that would compromise in certain positions, but um, I do like the idea of a three four one two work for us. One, yeah, I think personally, I think Crowley would be better in behind the in behind the forwards. Like Dan says, he's he's done a definitely at the start of the season, especially he looked all right on the right-hand side. Um, he found himself out of the team a fair bit, though, surprisingly, for, for whatever reason. But last few games since we've come back from the lockdown, he's been he's been brilliant. He's been our best player against West Brom, I feel. Uh, and yesterday, when Bella came on, he, um, again, they, they kind of, they complement each other in a, in a certain way. Maybe that was the plan when we signed Villalba at the start of the year, was to be a bit more creativity, give Crowley a free role, let him let him do what he wants, and for whatever reason that didn't work. Whether we can bring people in to make that possible in the summer, 
maybe that's something that Dong's looking at. Is you know, he seems to be the one calling the shots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a handful of times there was a lot, especially at the start of the season, I thought Crowley and Vialba, when Vialba looked like he wanted to be here, was was really good. It looked quite dangerous because they'd always be switching positions and they'd both be coming to to feet, asking for the ball, dragging us forward. But as time went on, it looked quite clear that Vialba probably didn't want to be here. And I, I don't know whether that was when Paco Herrera left or or any other reason, but I do think we need more players, as I said before, like like Crowley and how Vialba started the season with us, who can keep interchanging positions and drag us forward and be a threat. Because I think I think we're too easy to defend against for some teams. A lot of the time, they're like, right, if we can deal with Jukovic, we'll be fine. So I just hope we can be a bit more of a threat. Plan B, can we play on the floor a bit more? But we'll need mm-hmm. a better squad for that. I mean, that, I think that's a really important point as well. Like, what's the direction of our squad going to be in? And I think that's something we've got to figure out in terms of appointing the next manager because do we want to rely on Djokovic um, as much next season? I still think he's a, he's incredibly good at what he does and I still think he's a really big sort of asset to the team. Um, but I, don't, I also think that relying too much on him, especially like um, from deep with... Uh, use of the ball from deep. Um, is that going to be healthy? Because I think with Djokovic, uh, if you're picking him, you're almost picking two players. Djokovic needs um, a, a strike partner, which kind of compromises you in other areas. So, um, yeah, what's going to happen? Is the next manager going to prioritise Djokovic and build a team around him? Or is he going to maybe evolve the style a little bit further from the uh, and maybe use Djokovic as a plan B a bit more often. So I think that's going to be a really interesting uh, facet of the next manager's job. Yeah, especially that you know we we've seen it with Redknapp was a victim of it. I feel that the board wanting this fancy football signings this summer were made for that. But going right back to the Redknapp time, you can't Redknapp style of play was never what we wanted to play. So. You've got that problem of Redknapp wants certain players, Don wanted a certain style of play, and they, it never really gelled. You can't force a manager to play a style of play that they don't like or they're not used to. So, as you say, it depends what manager we want to bring in and, and what they want to do, I feel, which brings us perfectly on to our next point. Rumours this morning, Mark Robbins is the next name that the board have pulled out of the hat. How do you see that? Coventry played some brilliant football this season. Uh, Gab, does it work for you, Mark Robbins? Yeah, um, so Robbins has kind of got Coventry playing this like 3-4-2-1 system. So they play kind of one at top and they kind of play like four central midfielders. They have uh, Zane Westbrook and Jordan Chipley as kind of like two number 10s and all the wits kind of come from their wing-backs. And it's been a pretty uh, progressive style of football. They've played some really good stuff. I've been down to St Andrews to watch them a fair few times. So... Uh, I, yeah, I, I like Mark Robbins and um, I, I certainly wouldn't be against him. The interesting thing, though, is that um, he's brought, as a manager, he's probably only really done well at Coventry. I think he did well in his first spell there and his second spell. But at Barnsley, at Tenthorpe, um, one, two other jobs like that, he hasn't necessarily happened. Uh, so it's only really his work at Coventry that makes you think he 
could be a really good championship manager, but uh, you can't take away from the job he's done this season. So yeah, I think uh, I think I think he looks like a promising manager. But the thing that, although it's a more realistic target, I still can't see it happening because he's got he's done so well at Coventry and he's actually got them into the same division as us. So would he want to would he want to throw that all away or would he want to carry on and keep building the Coventry at least try and keep them up this season? So I think it's an interesting one. I'd be quite surprised if he left because. He's, he's got minimal pressure on him, I'd imagine, at Coventry. Like, now that they're up here, they might be one of the plucky underdogs. Whereas if he comes to Blues, he hasn't got that affiliation with the with the crowd as he has with their crowd. So we'd be probably expecting of him, whereas they will be like, we're just, they'll probably just be happy to be back in the Championship. I, I, I agree with that, but I also think that Blues have got a, a, a much better squad than Coventry, personally. I think Robbins did really well to sort of develop players that have spent a lot of their careers in the lower divisions last season. Whereas I think for us, quite a few players that um, a lot of championship clubs would envy. I think there's bits and pieces of a, a top 10 championship side. Um, I like the full back we've got. Um, I mean, Mark Roberts, I think, is, is probably a very good championship player. Um, I like Sundich. I feel like there's another year of development in him. Got the Bellingham money. Dukovic is an asset at championship level. Um, Adair, of course. So I think we've got a lot of Crowley as well. And so I think there's a lot of pieces there that makes you think. Uh, I think a manager like Mark Robbins, who's worked in League One a lot of the time, would be interested in in working with. So uh, I do think from that point of view, we could be uh, an attraction to him. It's it's interesting to say that, as you say, he's brought Coventry up. There's no expectations on them this year. Realistically, they shouldn't have been in that position to, to walk through League One the way they did. Uh, so you've got to give him credit for that. But um, I feel the next manager has, has got to be on board and, and the, the board have got to give the next manager time and say uh, to a certain extent they've got to give him the freedom to make his own signings because this next season now is going to be vitally important stabilise the club and, and we've got to start looking forward not over our shoulders which to a certain extent we still are this season yet again um, we should be a team that's looking at up at the top six and thinking, how can we break into that now? And, and The one thing I would say is that although technically we are in some relegation danger, I think the squad we have, uh, and partly to work, um, I think it feels closer to a side that's kind of pushing top 10 playoffs rather than looking over our shoulder. And I feel like there's a group of players now that, um, I think you could argue it's our best squad for since we've been in the championship, you could say, maybe or maybe since the Hutton season, um, in terms of individual uh, sort of quality. And I think there's a lot of potential there that um, Patek has kind of unleashed. And I just think we need a manager that can kind of put those pieces together. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we'll be looking over our shoulders next season. I think we've got the calibre of player to uh, progress up the division, I hope. Yeah, I think I think the right manager has to be appointed. It has to suit what the club want to do. Whether they're going to let the manager bring whatever style he wants to do, 
and just hope that he'll be successful at that. Or if they want someone to play a bit more of a progressive attacking style, they have to appoint someone that will be happy to do that. But they also need to be allowed to bring in players that they probably think will be able to play that as well. Otherwise, we'll probably be in the same situation as we was this year, feeling that the head coach is just being what he's told to do and he's probably got a hand tied behind his back. I think the key thing as well with um, managers or head coaches is they've got to be comfortable working in the setting that's been agreed. So uh, you mentioned Redknapp. Um, he wasn't comfortable with that kind of dispute with uh, the owners. There are certain types of players that he wanted that he wasn't getting. And similarly, like sometimes you can get um, a head coach that does just want to work poke the players he has on the field and maybe suffers from that lack of kind of dominance uh, from a higher position. So the, the two pieces, the head coach, the footballing side and the off-field side, they've got to sort of have that communication and, uh, and mutual to the company. Like. So, uh, that's going to be really important for us as well. Absolutely. And I, I just want to touch back on the point you made as well previously discussing Mark Robbins where he's only really made it work at Coventry similar to the sense of um, the prime example could be Eddie Howe where Bournemouth he you know he stormed it when he first took over went to Burnley didn't work out for him and they back at Bournemouth took him to the Premier League so sometimes you find that a manager or a head coach just click at a certain club you know and and I think the fans now I think we're ready for a a manager who's who's in it for the long run and hopefully um, whoever that is the, the board will appoint the correct people person should I say but um, yeah fingers crossed but anyway lads that's all we've really got time for today but thank you for joining me anyway um, you can listen to us as I said on Spotify Apple Music and on YouTube uh, every Monday um, join us on Twitter for a debate as well at Blues Focus Pod. Um, send us your questions; we can discuss those again next week. And yeah, thanks for joining me, lads. Yes, thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.